You're listening to a Crossroads original podcast. When you hear the words, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, what kind of thoughts does that conjure up? If you're like me, and probably the majority of people, even those that have followed Jesus for a long time, it might make you feel like God desires for us to be scared of him, um, fearful of him in an unhealthy way, perhaps in an earthly or human context that we would perceive fear. Well, my guest today, John Bevere, in his latest book, The Awe of God, The Astounding Way a Healthy Fear of God Transforms Your Life, says, the fear of the Lord is a continual flow of life. Now, that's a completely new perspective on fear. It sounds more like awe. It sounds more like respect. It sounds more like reverence and the life that comes when we have those things in check with God, our creator. I mean, after all, I can be honest, you know, my own journey, my faith journey. There have been times in my life where I have perhaps just treated God like my genie in a bottle, or he was just sort of there as my, you know, first call when I'm really in trouble, or even sometimes maybe my last call, but not necessarily always revering him or uh, or, or, or putting him in his rightful place, and that is the place of awe and respect and healthy fear because he is God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Um, such an amazing conversation with my friend John, and I don't necessarily want to take anything more from our conversation because it's pretty lengthy, and John has some great insights for us today, and I think maybe we'll just go to that right now. So here's my wonderful friend John Bevere, best-selling author and speaker, with his book, The Awe of God. We've got a real treat today. Gifted communicator John Bevere is one of those authors you just can't put down, and I'm speaking from experience. In his latest book, The Awe of God, John tackles what it means to fear God and how many of us Christians may be missing uh, the mark in this specific area. Welcome back to Huntley Street, John. It is always a pleasure. Mark, I feel like you're my extended family up there. I miss you guys. I, I miss being there in person. I think the last several we've done have been by Zoom, but... Uh, I hey, it's today's technology, and it saves a lot of time in the airports. It sure does, and airports aren't necessarily a fun place on the best of days. But how are you? How is the family? Um, any new grandbabies, G-babies, as you like to call them? Yes. Yes, G-babies. So the family's great. Uh, all four sons and all four daughter-in-laws, which the last time I was on, I was only able to say three daughter-in-laws are doing quite, quite well. Three of them actually work for us. Two daughter-in-laws and three sons work for us. And then uh, the G-babies, oh my gosh, we just got news about number seven on the way. So we are, Lisa and I are just like, oh, loving it. That is wonderful, my friend. Congratulations. We just so love and appreciate your family. And the feeling is mutual about you feeling like part of our family. And we need to make sure the next time you're on the program, it's in studio, God willing. Um, understanding the dynamics of godly fear is a big part of what you tackle in this book. And I'm really, really glad you've decided to tackle it. And I mean, we're talking 400 some odd pages here. It, it's, it's, a, it's an extensive read um, because there seems to be such a negative stigma attached to anything associated with fear. What inspired you to write the book in this season? 
Well, first of all, there's 40 distinct benefits that I've found in walking in the holy fear of God. The number one benefit is an intimate relationship with God. The Bible actually says that's the starting place. You haven't even begun to enter into an intimate relationship with God until you fear him. Now, you said it right. We've tried to eradicate fears. We had the t-shirts we wore that said no fear. But I think we've done a disservice that we put all fears into one bucket, and that's destructive fears. However, I want to submit to everybody there are constructive fears and destructive fears. Let me give you an example. Fear produces wisdom. The constructive fear of not being mauled to death by a mother grizzly bear will give you the wisdom to not mess with her cubs. That fear will save my life. If you look at the holy, healthy fear of God, this fear will eradicate all, and I mean all, unhealthy fears. That is one of the benefits. So the first thing I want to say to everybody is this. The fear of the Lord has nothing to do with being afraid of God. Mm. It's all about being close to him and reverencing who he is, respecting who he is, and standing in awe of who he is. That actually opens up and enhances our relationship with him. Yeah, I mean, that's a really very important distinction. And so many people get stuck on the definition of fear and what it means and getting hung up on that word, especially in scripture and understanding context. I'm going to throw a left field question at you right now. And this is just kind of going out on a limb. Do you think that this, we'll say fear of fear, if you will, has done an, an awful disservice to the moral fabric of society? We've got loss of respect. Absolutely for teachers, for authorities, for anything, for, for, for clergy. You know what I'm saying? Yes, it has. It has absolutely brought us into a place that we are falling and we're falling fast. Because if you look at the fear of the Lord, it is the key to longevity. So I'll never forget when that presence of the holy fear of God manifested in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, it was so powerful, Mark. I remember being terrified because it was so awesome. Now, let me let me let me calm everybody. I was drawn to it. Mm-hmm. So it's really strange. You're almost terrified by how awesome his presence is. I mean, if you look at Isaiah, Isaiah was a godly man. And Isaiah had one glimpse of the Lord. And he is literally not crying out, woe is the sinners. He's crying out, woe is me, because he really realizes who he is before this awesome God. If you look at John the Apostle, he was really close to Jesus. But when he saw him on the island of Patmos, he fell down like a dead man. Now, of course, Jesus said, hey, don't be afraid. But his fear of God drew him closer. And I look at the holy, healthy fear of God and it's missing. So what's happening is we're not getting to the heart of God. But over in Malaysia, what happened is when that presence manifested, it lasted about five minutes. I'll never forget, the leader came up and he was very wise. He said, the atmosphere in here is so holy, so powerful. I'm not closing with a song like we had planned. You're welcome to stay here as long as you want. And people stayed for a long time because the presence of God was so thick. And I remember I was walking out and there was this couple from India. They were in the Bible school and they're just looking at me. And they said to me, 
we feel so clean inside. Mm. And I said, that identifies what I feel. That presence made me feel so clean. Well, the next morning I was getting ready to play basketball with the guys in Malaysia, the Bible school students, putting on my gym shorts and the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, read Psalm 19. And I started reading verse one, verse two, verse three. I get to verse nine and I read this. The fear of the Lord is clean. And I went, wow, there it is. But then the next words riveted me, enduring forever. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, Mark, and said, Lucifer led worship right before my throne. He beheld my glory. He was anointed to do so. He did not fear me. He didn't endure forever. A third of the angels surrounded the throne. They beheld my glory. They didn't fear me. They didn't endure in their place in heaven forever. He said, Adam and Eve walked in the cool of the garden in the presence of my glory. They didn't fear me. They didn't endure in the garden forever. And he said to me, every created being that surrounds my throne throughout eternity will have experienced the holy, healthy fear of God. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking about it, Mark. There's been millions of people that have walked away from the faith in the last 20 years. Barna says over 23 million Americans alone have gone from being practicing believers to now agnostics, atheists, and spiritualists. Why are people leaving the faith? Because we stop talking about the fear of the Lord. If you look at what the Apostle Paul says, we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, not with love and kindness, but with fear and trembling. So it's the key to maturing our salvation, and that keeps us strong so that we endure to the end. So yes, it endures forever, and yes, it matures our salvation so we're doing a disservice to men and women by not teaching the healthy aspect of the holy fear of God. Hmm, hmm. Is it safe to say that perhaps here in the West we've become a bit too familiar with God that we don't recognize the power that is accessible to us when we fear and reverence Him? I believe what we've done is we have systematically taught in a way in the Western church to remove all healthy fear from a relationship with God. And I think that that disservice has caused an immature church. We've not been able to mature. We've not been able to grow in true, authentic holiness. And I, and I want to I want to back it up here and I want to help everybody understand something. I said the fear of the Lord is not to be scared of God. Let's think about when Moses brought Israel out to the mountain mountain, Mount Sinai. God came down on the third day after they arrived there. And when he did, the people all screamed and ran away. When they ran away, Moses makes a statement to them in Exodus 20, 20. He says, hey, do not fear because God's come to test you to see if his fear is in you so that you may not sin. Now, wait a minute. Do not fear because God's come to see if his fear is in you. He's differentiating between being scared of God and the fear of the Lord. Mm -hmm. The person that's scared of God has something to hide. What does Adam do when he sins against the Lord? He hides from the presence of God. The person that fears God is nothing to hide. That person's actually terrified of being away from God. So as I've already stated, our first real understanding of holy fear is to be scared of being away from God. So what holy fear is, is when we love what he loves and we hate what he hates because we reverence him to such a degree we take on his heart. So now that's why the Bible says all who fear the Lord will hate evil. 
I'll never forget one of the world famous evangelists who is put in prison for five years, looked at me. I asked him a question because he got totally delivered in prison. His life got turned back around straight. And I said, when did you fall out of love with Jesus? He said to me, I didn't. I said, wait a minute. You committed adultery. You committed mail fraud. You were sentenced. What do you mean you didn't fall out of love with Jesus? He said, John, I loved him all the way through it. And I was confused. And he looked at me and he said, John, I didn't fear God. And I look at this, Mark, that the road to life is a narrow road, Jesus said. And every road's got two ditches on both sides. The first ditch is called legalism. Okay, so legalism. What? How did God deliver us from the legalistic ditch? Well, the love of God. Mm-hmm. Remember the church back in the 60s? We were in a legalistic ditch. The 70s, we were in a legalistic ditch. We found out God is a good God, that we found out our daddy loved us. And that genuine revelation of the love of God delivered us from legalism. We went to the other side of the road and fell into the other ditch, and that's called lawlessness, which lawlessness is when I am a law unto myself and I get to pick and choose what I'm going to obey. In other words, God's word is not what directs my life. I pick what aspects I like of the word of God and the ones I don't like, I ignore That's lawlessness. And the Bible says that is the very definition of sin. I mean, Adam didn't jump in bed with a prostitute in the garden. He disobeyed because he thought it was better for him to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil when God said it's harmful for you. So that lawless behavior led to the downfall. It's lawlessness that leads to any person's downfall. And what the fear of God does is it delivers us and keeps us from entering into a lawless state. In other words, where we kind of say, God, step aside. I know what's better for my life than you do. Right, right. And 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 that's that's a really big risk as a believer to put yourself in that position. Um you know, it Proverbs is. nine and ten tells us the fear of Lord, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And, and you know, you're saying that there's this beautiful life, and, and you unpack this beautifully in the book. And there's so many references to a holy fear of God in a context that is it makes sense. It, it, it totally it, it connects the dots, if you will. But you just talk about this beautiful life that's awaiting those of us that understands what it means to fear Him. Yes. If you look at uh, Proverbs, I think it's 1433. It says the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the traps of death. Oh, my goodness. That's remarkable when you think about it. Okay, fountain. You know, we say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, you haven't even begun to enter into wisdom that will last forever until you fear God. But I love how it says it's a fountain of life. Now, the word fountain in the Hebrew means a continual flowing source. So here's God's promise that when we walk in the healthy fear of God, we will have a continual flow of the counsel of wisdom that will turn us away from the traps of death. And I think one of the greatest examples of this is King Abimelech. Mm. If you look at King Abimelech, and he's a guy that has no relationship with God, but he fears God. Now, everybody's probably thinking, wait a minute, how can you fear God and have no relationship with him? Well, I'll give you an example in the New Testament, Cornelius. Cornelius is a Roman centurion, but the Bible says he was devout. And his holy, and that word devout means he feared God. His fear of God 
ends up causing an angel to come and appear to him and say, hey, I can't tell you how to get saved. I can't tell you how to get a relationship with God. Go down to this guy's house named Simon the Tanner in Joppa. Ask for this guy named Peter, and he'll tell you how to get saved. So there's an example of somebody who has a fear of God, a healthy fear of God, but has no relationship with God. Mm. Well, if you look at Abimelech, he is king of Gier, and Abraham and Sarah come into his country in Genesis 20. And Abraham looks at his wife and says, you know, you're far too gorgeous for me to present to you as my wife. And this is a godless nation. He perceives it as a godless nation. He says, I'm going to say you're my sister. So he, he, he brings her in. He introduces it, hit Sarah as his sister. Well, Abimelech goes, wow, this woman's gorgeous, brings her into her, his harem. Well, God comes to him in a dream and says, you are a dead man because the woman you have is another man's wife. And King Abimelech says, I'm innocent. Would you, would you judge me? I, he told me she was his sister. And, and listen to God's response. I know. And that's why I kept you from sinning against me and did not let you touch her. Now, the fear of the Lord was a continual flowing source of God's wisdom that kept Abimelech from the trap that Abraham put before him mm. by lying to him or actually deceiving him and saying, she's just my sister. So let me ask this question. How can somebody attend church, hear the word of God for 20 years, and end up in bed with another man's wife? It's not rocket science. It just means he doesn't have a holy, healthy fear of God that is the continual flowing source of God's counsel of wisdom that protects him from the traps of death. Traps are baited. Traps are camouflaged. Death is always baited and camouflaged. But the fear of the Lord, this is why the Bible says, by the fear of the Lord, Proverbs 16, 8, one departs from evil. It's that continual flowing source of God's wisdom, Mark. And I want to see everybody in the body of Christ walking in this. Yeah, there's such a level of intimacy, and you talk a lot about that in this book. And for our viewers that are just catching in, drop, dropping in on our conversation right now, it's your latest book, The Awe of God, The Astounding Way a Healthy Fear of God Transforms Your Life. John, in our, in our closing minutes together here, um, you share this story about preaching an event in Brazil. It was a large crusade event over 20 years ago. I mean, God's been impressing this on your heart for years. Tell us about what happened in that service that opened your eyes to this very truth, because I think it's a, a remarkable example of what you really cover in this book. So I'd flown down to Brazil. It was the first time I was ever asked to speak in this nation. It was the national conference. I, I was so excited. They put me in, they, they walked me into the arena and put me on the platform. And the glaring evidence of the absence of God's presence is the first thing that hit me. I thought, wow, this arena is jam-packed. There's not a seat open. The worship team is unreal. Why isn't God's presence here? Because this is a believer's conference. And I'll never forget closing my eyes saying, Lord, where's your presence? And when I opened my eyes, I saw something I didn't see before. People were standing there with their arms crossed, looking around. They had their hands in their pocket, looking down. They're walking in and out of the arena, getting concessions. They're walking over to their friends, high-fiving. Hey, man, what's going on? I thought, wow, this will change. Well, it didn't. They go through the whole worship set. 
And now because there's no music, I can hear the mutter of people visiting with one another in this big arena. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, is this really happening? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, son, you have to address this. I was like, how? How, how do I even get their attention? So when they introduced me, Mark, what I did is I walked up to the podium and I didn't say a word. Now, when you're the Friday night guest speaker of the national conference and you're just staring at people and not doing anything after being introduced, that gets their attention. So within 60 seconds of my utter silence, everybody stops talking and looks at me like, what are you doing? And I remember saying to them, I've got a question. You're sitting talking to somebody across the table and the whole time you're talking to them, they got their arms crossed as if they're disinterested or they're whispering to somebody sitting beside them. Would you continue to talk to them? No. I said, I've been in this arena for the last hour and there's not a drop of the presence, the manifest presence of God, because God will never come into a place that he's not held with the utmost of respect. I said, if the president of your nation would have walked in here tonight, you would have given him 10 times the respect you did the Holy Spirit. I said, if Pele, your greatest soccer player in the history of Brazil, would have walked on this platform, you would have been on the edge of your seats anticipating every word. You've given no respect to the Spirit of God. And I remember preaching to them for 75 minutes on the fear of the Lord. At the end, I said, every person in here, you say you, you're born again, you say you're a Christian but you lack the fear of God and you're willing to repent, stand to your feet. Three quarters of the arena stands up. As soon as they did, Mark, the presence of God filled the arena. I thought, oh, how wonderful. I prayed with them. They prayed their prayer of repentance. There was a lull in his presence and the Holy Spirit said, I'm coming one more time. The only way I know how to describe it is that you're standing at the end of the runway there at Toronto International Airport and a Boeing jet takes off in front of you. That kind of a violent wind came blowing into the arena. When it did, the people started screaming in prayer. Now, can you imagine multiple thousands of Brazilians screaming in prayer? Mm -hmm. The wind was louder. And I remember I'm standing there and I'm going, oh my, my. This is another one of those instances where I was actually terrified and my my head was going, God, I can't, I can't handle this because the authority of his presence was so strong. But my heart was going, God, please don't lift. Please don't lift. Mark, I actually had the thought, John Bevere, you say one wrong word. You make a wrong move. You're dead. Would that have happened? I don't know. But it did with a man and a wife when they brought an offering to their local church in Acts chapter five. And they did it with an irreverent attitude. They fell over dead and they buried him that day. I knew daddy didn't come into that arena. The king was there. Mm -hmm. And I remember it lasted about 90 seconds and it subsided. After the meeting, they told me that security men and policemen all around the arena, most of them weren't even saved. They were union workers came running in to see what was going on. And the, the soloist, her husband was at the soundboard and he said the entire time the wind blew, the decimal meters were at zero. Not one ounce of the sound of the wind came through their sound system. The next day, you can't believe the miracles, the deliverances, the salvations that occurred in that same arena because of holy awe. God makes a statement in Psalm 89, verse 7. God is to be greatly feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all those around them, uh, around him. That's when I discovered the way to get into the presence of God is come with rever a heart of reverential fear. And let me tell you, 
We heard about that situation for 20 years afterwards. I remember 2016 going down to Goiania, Brazil. We were in Brasilia. This is a different city. And that I was going to speak to 12,000 pastors and leaders again on a Friday night. And the first pastor that met me said, I was in the meeting 20 years ago when the wind blew. My life has never been the same. When you encounter the awe of God, you will never, ever be the same. Wow. Folks, it's John Bevere. We are just talking about his latest book, The Awe of God. You certainly want to go out and get your hands on a copy of this. What I'm especially excited about with this book and the timing of this book, John, is we are hearing and seeing the reports of the winds of revival that are sweeping North America and different parts of the world. And in 30 seconds or less, just tell us what is your desire for every believer as we are experiencing revival and renewal like we haven't in many, many years? Whenever a genuine outpouring comes in the last massive outpouring of God's spirit where it covered a whole, the entire nation was the Jesus revolution. That was back in the seventies. I believe we're on a verge of another one of those great moves of God. And the Lord told me 30 years ago that this next move would emphasize the fear of the Lord, which Paul says the only thing that produces authentic holiness is the fear of God. Second Corinthians seven, one. So this is what I want to say. In every move of God, you can find yourself in one of three places. You can find yourself on the outside looking in. You can find yourself on the cutting edge of what God's doing. Or number three, you can be resisting what God's doing. My passion for everyone watching 100 Huntley right now is that they are on the cutting edge of this move. They're not on the outside looking in. They're not resisting it you're on the cutting edge of what God's doing. Mm, amen. Such life-giving teaching, John, as always. Thank you so much for opening our eyes and, and our ears to the importance of godly fear. Such a timely message. And I love the fact that you, you really, you know, you bring it home with this point that it's really the missing link. It's what will unlock this profound sense of intimacy with God. And uh, the book, once again, to our viewers is The Awe of God. John Bevere, you're the author. And we so thoroughly enjoy having you on the program. God bless you, my friend. I'm looking forward to the next time we get to chat. Always on. Thank you, Mark. I so thoroughly enjoyed being able to talk with John about such sensitive subject matter, you know, as understanding what the fear of God really means for us as followers of Christ. The thing about John is that he's just a no-nonsense Bible teacher and author, and I really love and appreciate that about him, but he delivers the message with so much love and so backed up by Scripture. You know, I was reading in his book, The Awe of God, that we just finished talking about, and there are make-it-personal pages at the end of each chapter where you get to read a Scripture for the day and then kind of ponder on that Scripture, and he makes a couple of points that are really poignant thoughts to take away. And in one of his chapters, the passage for the day was taken from Colossians 1, verse 10. It said, that you may walk or live and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him and desiring to please him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work. So here's the point. And we need to really understand this because this is really what John is trying to get across in his book, I believe. And in our discussion... We cannot do anything to make God love us more or less. He already does. That is settled. But we are responsible for how pleased he is with us. 
And the thing that we need to ponder and take away is, is our life pleasing to God? And how do we know what does and what does not please Him? And obviously we can know that by going into His Word and digging into His Word and understanding, you know, what it is that brings pleasure to God and what it is that does not bring bring Him pleasure. And I think John really made a great point talking about how do we know if we're living in the awe and the fear and the respect of God is if we're loving the things He loves and hating the things He hates because He's an holy God. He's a righteous, holy, awesome God. And so when we have a true grasp of that splendor, the excellence of who he really is, creator of heaven and earth, omnipotent, omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing, uncreated, knows no beginning, knows no end. Like, wrap your head around that, my friends. It is just almost too much to comprehend and rightfully so, because we are created beings. Only the creator himself can wrap his head around not being created and always having been. And so I think what we could take away from this, I mean, at least what I take away from it, is that God is not one to be feared in the scared sense. And I'm using air quotes here, you can't see me. But in a healthy respect and honor for who he is. And when our lives reflect him in its purest form, we reflect him in his purest form, then we are truly living lives in fear of the Lord. And to be working out our salvation as the Bible talks, as the Bible teaches us, with fear and trembling means to treat that gift which has been given to us, the gift of salvation, with respect, with honor, with love, with a sense of awe and wonder at the greatness, the goodness of our God. And again, to boil it down to a really simple idea, to love the things that God loves and to hate the things that God hates. So my friends, that has been my conversation with John Bevere. I hope you've enjoyed it. I know I've thoroughly enjoyed going back through this conversation with him and just just being reminded. And uh, it's, it's, it's good to be reminded every once in a while um, about who God is and who we are in light of his grace and his mercy and his awesome wonder. You've been listening to the 100 Huntley Street podcast with your host, Mark Masry. We want to remind you that we've got prayer partners that are always available to talk to you, regardless of what you're facing. You might need prayer for something in your life. Maybe you're going through a difficult time. You've lost a job or you're looking for a new home or you're, you're, you're struggling with a health issue. Or you just want to pray with someone because prayer is powerful and we believe in the power of prayer. Call our prayer lines. They are available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. A bunch of loving, non-judgmental people that just want to encourage you on your faith journey. That number is 1-866-273-4444. Again, that number, 1-866-273-4444. Or you can send us a prayer, uh, an email at prayer at crossroads.ca. Again, that's prayer at crossroads.ca. And we would just, with joy in our hearts, respond to your email and even send you a prayer back that way. Well, once again, this has been Mark Masry for the Huntley Street Podcast. Thanks for joining us. We so in, um, love hearing from you. If you want to send us a note on socials or you want to send us a note on our Facebook page or wherever you're hearing this podcast, let us know that you have heard this message and that it's resonating with you. 
And uh, we always love reading your comments and we're so encouraged by them. God bless you. Once again, this is Mark signing off. Until the next time, and we'll speak soon. Bye for now. Thank you for your ongoing support of Crossroads, a supporter-funded nonprofit organization and member of the Canadian Centre of Christian Charities. Thanks to faithful people like you, we are able to continue producing 100 Huntley Street. You can write to Crossroads, P.O. Box 5100, Burlington, Ontario, L7R4M2, or visit crossroads.ca to learn more about our programs.